Alright, we're gonna do levels and stuff. And uh, get comfortable. Where's my drink? There's my drink. Um, <clears throat> I'm just right. putting things out of our way we don't need. Yeah, yeah, of course. Neelix, come here. Because that will distract me and then I'll yeah. fuss with it the whole time. Yep, uh, you certainly will. Yeah, I know I will. <clears throat> okay, where are my notes? There they are. Where did you put them? Is your phone silent? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Thank you. I feel like it'll buzz. Yeah, it will. Absolutely. Okay. I think we're ready. Should yeah. we do, um, should we do, uh, um, pronouns? Probably. Yeah. I feel like... Yeah, let's that do is being, that Yes. Yeah. That it's, is it's thing. my podcast. We're doing pronouns. That's fine. <laughs> do you have them in your email signature? Uh, no, I probably should do that. I have them in mine. Uh, Uh And my Instagram. No, I don't win win You win the woke war. Well, no, I'm... (laughs) What I was saying is I probably should have reminded you to do that when I did mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Simon, and my pronouns are he and him. I'm Kendra, and my pronouns are she and her. If you've listened to our first season, you already know Kendra. I'm Kendra's husband, business partner, and producer for this podcast. And today we're here starting our new internal mini-series for the pod, uh, a layman's questions, or maybe we'll call it outsider questions. Uh, We're workshopping the title. If you've got a better one, and admittedly it's not a very high bar at the moment, please send us a suggestion at the pod's new email, designoverdrinkspod at gmail.com. Again, that's designoverdrinkspod, all one word, at gmail.com. Okay, uh, thanks for coming, Kendra. <laughs> for my... showing up to my house. Thank you for coming into the office with <laughs> me uh, after we've had breakfast and pouring out some alcohol so I can ask you some dumb questions about your career. <laughs> not dumb. There's a lot of things in my career, interior design, I guess, that's... We use a lot of slang. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of acronyms. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I feel like acronyms. I feel like I am listening to acronyms constantly while I'm uh, uh, editing the podcast, and so I I write down every time I come across an acronym I don't know, or I have a feeling someone else might not know who's listening, like my dad, because my dad listens to this podcast because he's a really great dad and a really great father-in-law, and he cares about. Uh, your career. Thank you. He is wonderful. <laughs> Hi, Dad. Um, but I feel like people like him and also me would benefit from, uh, else people maybe just thinking about getting into the uh, industry would uh, uh, benefit from learning some of these acronyms, uh, basically defining some terms. So this is going to be a bit more free form than the uh, uh, regular podcast, the Design Over Drinks podcast. We haven't really titled this one. I think like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, basically I'm just going to be asking you a few questions, uh, each episode, uh, while we drink. So first question, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a red wine from the wine club that we as adults subscribe to. That's yeah. I don't remember the name, but it's good. Yeah. Even probably like a week old at this point. So cleaning out the fridge. Yep. And, uh, I am having Westland Distillery's. Uh, American single malt 
They're really good. They're local. They're just down the hill from us. Uh, definitely not sponsors, but you should try them. They're, they're they good. are good. They're very good. I do like them. If That's I was to drink good. a whiskey, I would. I drink that. Nothing like a whiskey at uh, eleven thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> or no, We're I guess it's, it's a little after. It's a little afternoon, so it's yeah, fine. it's afternoon. It's a little afternoon. It's so a it's weekend. Fine. Just a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, I am a uh, retired chef and lefty, so I can swear up a storm sometimes, and uh, I, I try not to hide my politics. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I may uh, have some controversial opinions uh, when I'm talking to you, but those are just my opinions. They're not necessarily Kendra's, uh, so don't hold it against her <laughs> if, uh, if I happen to offend. I feel like we, on the podcast <clears throat> itself, we touch on these things, but don't go deep into them. Yeah, and I don't want this to be a politics podcast, but design intersects with politics yeah. at times. And I feel like uh, it's best to acknowledge it than just uh, uh, brush over it. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And maybe sometimes in the pod, I could be better about that. But also I'm like, oh, man, eh, we're like an hour and not 45 really... minutes in, you know. But yeah. it does intersect. So I do feel like... There are points where we we do need to touch on it, and this is a, maybe a good place to do that. Yeah, maybe where you're just a, uh, a we're a little bit more free form and a little less uh, on script or censoring ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So first question. Uh, this uh, comes from my notebook, which is it looks like a conspiracy theorist's like <laughs> like vision board. <laughs> I just write this stuff down as I'm editing, so it's kind of going to come in no particular order. So I'm going to try to pick one, at least one, if not two, acronyms to be defined as we go forward with this uh, uh, with this series. Um, so I think the first one I'd like to ask about is FFNDE. FFNDE. What is that? Uh, what does it stand for first? Right. So... So now my brain is like, wait, do you remember this right? That's terrible. <laughs> uh, so FF&E, and I've, I think it maybe it's just both. It's uh, furniture, finishes, and equipment. A correction here. I meant to say that FF&E stands for furniture, fixtures, and equipment, not finishes. Finishes are often selected at the same time, so I tend to lump them in with FF&E. And I've heard other people say fabric finishes and equipment, but that's not right. It's furniture finishes and equipment. So FF&E. And, e. and FF&E is basically the bulk of what an interior designer does. So during all the stages of design, an interior designer picks out... Uh, funny that it's furniture. It's <laughs> finishes and equipment because I feel like we start with finishes, which is what the flooring will be, what the wall will be, the base... Um, so oh, the, ba of the baseboard baseboard. So the yeah. overall finishes of the design, maybe if we have a fabric, we'll pull that there, that type of thing. Um, equipment it also kind of comes in at this time a little bit. Cause you're thinking about like space planning of where a refrigerator goes. Say, okay. I was going like, to say in like an office kitchen or where the copy machines go. So that's so equipment app appliances, appliances okay. uh, that also can include plumbing. So oh, uh, really? all of the, so, you know, we as interior designers will spec where a how a toilet is in a bathroom to make sure it is ADA compatible in a bathroom. We need to make sure that the sink is ADA compatible, that the door is ADA compatible, that people can get in and out in a wheelchair and have turning space. We need to make sure they have space to sit down on the toilet. I was, I was just going so, to 
I was so we're, we're, we're looking at toilet fixtures, where those are going to be, where the grab bars are going to be, how high the... So anything in a, in a commercial bathroom, like you go into a commercial bathroom that is not the bathroom in your home, and it is ADA compliant. A designer has looked at it and made sure that somebody in a wheelchair, and some of them still aren't, even ADA compliance is probably not enough today, and we should do more, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, so, 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 so we're picking out the individual things that you see in any space. Okay. So those are kind of the, and it's, it's kind of a, a major list that we put together and it is just all of the things and it is specced in different ways. We have specification documents for it. Yeah. Like what each uh, item is, like what it's, what its dimensions are, mm-hmm. how it gets installed, that sort of thing, where it goes. We have whole furniture do- or document. And then so with furniture, you know, you have whole floor plans that are just coded so that you know you can count how many chairs are in a restaurant you're designing or how many chairs are in the dining space of oh. the thing so that you can do takeoffs and make sure you have enough and that they can order the right amount and you're not ordering Thank you for too bringing many it back too, to yeah. Thanks for bringing it back to restaurants because I can yeah. get my yep. head around yep. that. Absolutely. Right? So think about a, a restaurant dining room. You know, there's built-in banquettes. The designer draws all of those, makes sure that the cushions are right, that there's the proper tufting, the proper so, uh, fabric on it, so that some girl with heels who sticks her foot up there doesn't pop through it. Or so this also does this also this uh, eventually includes like a purchase list, basically as well. A purchase order, yeah, yeah purchase or order. like a, a master specification document. Okay, which specifications are a whole nother thing where you call out. Um, how a product should be installed, how long it needs to sit for off-gassing, how, you know... Oh, wow. Kind it gets of, that detailed. It gets that detailed. Absolutely. Our specifications are extremely detailed, and especially for large commercial buildings, every single thing is written down and how it is installed, what order it should be installed, uh, best practices for installing, best practices for dumping the waste that comes from from each project and how to do that and how to safely protect the things that you don't want to do and safety measures and all sorts of things it starts when you start listening to this type of thing and you start to understand why like design firms can sort of kind of balloon into very large firms that like that are doing you know these huge projects but like what like so i i understand like I can understand the concept of that needing to be done for a very large project mm-hmm. so that you don't get cost overruns or, you know, that sort of thing. When you're or, ordering hundreds and yeah. hundreds of lights, or if somebody light make, fixtures. Or if, right? or, if a mistake is, or if a mistake is made, like, it can be, you know, it can be called out, oh, we, we said to do it this way and you did it the other way, so we're not liable kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of who's um, responsible for what but, part. So how... How uh, detailed do you need to get an FF&E, say, like on a smaller project? Is it as important? It's it's important, but less important. It's usually, especially on smaller projects, it's often just an express spreadsheet with as, like the room yeah. name listed, what it is, what its dimensions are, who to buy it from, or you know who the manufacturer is. So almost okay. every project I've done has some version of a FF&E list that lists every single thing going into the design that the interior designer is in charge of. So the interior of the building. Um, and then it, so, so it can be as simple as a spreadsheet and it can be as complicated so as for like, multiple drawings yeah. in your design model. Okay. So like for say, for instance, our kitchen that we did uh, a mm-hmm. couple years ago, 
BFF in the list for that or, or that was documents for that? I made it, a spreadsheet. Like, how, how long was it? Do you remember? Uh, it was like a page or two. Okay. It wasn't very long. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a simple remodel, but it was small. It was small. So like yeah. I didn't, and I had drawings that went with it and like it, the, my drawings, those drawings, and maybe that I did it this way because that's who I am as a human being. But like my drawings called out a num like the kitchen plan had like one refrigerator and then that connected to yeah. one, the, refri- the refrigerator spec that was in my FF&E list as well as on my drawing. And then like, let's say I'll, I'm just going to use like an example of something you've worked on. Mm-hmm. Let's say when you worked uh, at NAC, um, like Shelton, like, do you know how long that FF&E list or, you know, FF&E oh, man. documentation for that was so, it was a huge, it like, was huge. It was, it was, <laughs> It was a lot of. Um, so Shelton was a just so, so people know it. It, it was a it's a um, a public high school, right? Yeah, high school Out in, in Shelton, Washington. Washington. Yeah. yeah, and so and I worked on was the you interior did the design designer on that, that project yeah. for one of the firm for NAC who I worked for, um, and it. So that was a, a full set for bid, and when you go out to bid for something like that, you're putting together. Um, alternates as well so you have more than one version of a lot of things oh so you like so uh, that, to choose between packages yeah like you go this help, way or go that way yeah okay. and so it's like okay so say you're specifying a, a white wall covering or something for the school that's tackable you're going to specify it something similar from two different companies that are at a, an approximate price so that whoever the gc is and doing the bid for the overall price of their work and for buying of all of these products too, because what we specify as interior designers, the general contractor has to uh, then buy within the budget that he gives, right? And he gets its price based upon square footage. And the more you have, the more price you get. And so you do a lot of things in alternates and multiples so that the GC can can price it out and give kind of the lowest bid because those are public projects off of levy, levy money here in Washington State. Okay. So you're, you're doing things, but you also have to document everything and document where you want everything to be before any sort of building starts. So you need to have the design figured out. You need to know where everything is going to be. Um, yeah, because you have so many people, like so many players involved yeah. on so many levels, and they all need mm-hmm. access to, to the documents to make sure that, you know, you're staying in budget and that sort of thing. Yeah, there's and, a lot of, yeah, especially the budget's very, very huge, especially in, in public works projects like um, schools or government buildings where you, you know, it's really the lowest bidder gets the job. And us as interior designers, our work often gets VE'd, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Yeah, I, uh, I do know what VE means, but, but we will we, go we into that. We should talk about and, that yeah. one. We'll talk uh, about that at a, at a later time. Yeah, um, yeah, so our work often gets VE'd first. And so we know we'll we need to... We'll just say it out so people understand uh, this value, value engineered. engineered. Yep. And, and we sometimes just know that we have to work with the cheapest we can find while still trying to provide um, a really, you know... A, a learning environment that we would want children to excel in and, you know, that type of thing. So, but that sort of package is multiple drawings, um, multiple elevations and plans, calling out where everything is and what everything looks like and what your preferred is. Here is an alternate 
on certain things you say like the GC can go with whatever is standard and cheap and other things you're like this is a feature wall we are doing our best to get a good price but please don't take this away so yeah okay so right. it's it's a push and pull but FF&E is our bread and butter and it is what an interior designer when we are using when we are picking physical materials that is the physical materiality of it and then we put it into documents and drawings and all that time spent on a computer so if i've got this right on a small scale project ffne amounts to basically an organizational list to keep straight the uh stuff you're going to buy for the project and how it should be installed but like it's very very basic a lot more basic yeah um and and then for as the complexity of the project and the size of the project increases, F of E probably balloons um, out of proportion, I would imagine. In a lot of ways, it becomes more and more. And like the more fancy the project or the more feature walls or more art you have, right, the more complicated all of this gets because you're adding more pieces to it. So like when I was working in hospitality doing hotels – that was a lot of effort. I mean, I made books. I spent hours like making physical <laughs> books to go with the construction documents to give to the contractor. Like, are we so talking? They, are we talking like dozens of pages, hundreds of pages, oh God, hundreds of pages over time? Oh I my feel God. like wow. Like the these, and you would do multiple, right? So you'd make and and it was a great way for the for the contractor. So it was you would put together these books of the of physical samples of the materials to go along with the drawing. So when they're saying, okay, this is wall covering, whatever, there's a book with a little snippet of it with all of its specs so that they can match it. It was actually very genius. And, uh, and they is uh, the general, uh, the, con the general, general contractor. contractor. Yeah. Okay. And it was one of the greatest things about um, materiality. It actually was kind of fun. It was very crafty. It's one of those like weird things. Where I was like, okay, I could do this. Like, let me put on a book and just glue these things down because really so, it's great like a, intern work. I did it as an intern. Like a high-end, I don't want to make it sound less than it is, but like a high-end scrapbook. Almost. Yeah. It, it, yeah. In that like, yeah, like every single material, there is a piece of it cut out and put into the book and there's multiple made. So one for the interior designer, one for the general contractor and one for the owner minimum. Sometimes there's four for the purchasing agent. So oh, you make wow. four versions of the same thing. Huh. <laughs> so that's that's when something is very FF&E heavy, you go that far. If it is a, a smaller project, you can probably just do a list, you know, have a digital version with the samples there mm -hmm. for reference and like a photograph of the samples mm -hmm. for reference, but that's probably as far as you need to go Okay, on a less complex of a project. Okay. Well, I think I have a much better idea of what FF&E is. Thank you. You're welcome. But I, I believe this was, came up in one of the very first episodes of last season. Um, and this is, I have it written down as Lucinda Wolf, but it's actually, what's, what's her name? Elsie DeWolf. Elsie DeWolf. See, I'm also starting to go deaf, which is really great for someone who <laughs> edits a podcast. I, it's, it's fantastic. Um, so, you know, whatever uh, problems there may be with audio fully uh, fall at my feet. But anyways, um, uh, who is this woman? Elsie DeWolf. So 
I think this is a good place to start because this is definitely like interior design history. She is known as the first interior designer and I had to do a little bit of research to remember who she was. So I, I took, uh, like I took art and design history, especially interior design history with my first degree. So that was like 2010. So it's, it's been a few years. So I had to kind of go back on the internet and remind myself who she is. But so she was the first interior designer from the 1920s and was pretty famous throughout that time. And she was known, she was an American actress. And so she's a flapper. She was a flapper. <laughs> and she rejected, well, basically she rejected Victorian design. She didn't like it. It was the depression. It reminded her of her very depressing youth. And so to not think of that she decorated her home she was one of the first to have like colors and be a little bit lighter and brighter and cleaner less stuff like the victorian era was just full of stuff right you think of victoria and the victorian design and its wall covering with lots and lots of pictures on it and lots of trinkets and lots of very intricate um you know, credenzas and sofas with lots. No, no blank space. No blank space. Yeah. So she kind of started the, the more opposite version of that, which, you know, kind of leads to things like our minimalist movement. I mean, not that far by any means. I just think that she was, she was much more cleaner. So, but she was considered the first interior designer. Um, she actually not only did homes, but actually did do commercial spaces uh, in her career, which was really exciting. And um, yeah, she was like, pretty prevalent until the 30s. Huh. Okay, cool. So she's the mother of interior design. Okay. So uh was she more focused on on decoration then uh at the at the outset or was it was she doing like a lot of the things you guys do now like actually like you know, was she just picking out drapes and like and art and stuff like that or was I, it more involved? I think you know, I don't know that I know well enough. I haven't like done okay. enough research or spent long enough since I've really studied it to know. I think it does fall maybe closer to decoration today. Yeah. So like the the uh, you know that's where the roots of the of the profession stem from. I suppose from what I I could tell. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I don't. She's, I don't have that wrong. Yeah. She's she's kind of like. She's the she's known as the first interior designer, and in school, okay. the, you are told that like Elsie DeWolf is the, the mother, the of, mother of yeah. okay. interior design. You know, I think oh, because I'm trying to think, Bauhaus is the same time as this, so then you'd have some of those women. Oh well, I'll be asking you about Bauhaus okay, in another episode. It's gonna come. So up. we'll get on. We'll get into yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, all right. Okay. Um. How how different? Well, I guess I already asked that question. Like, how different is it today to be a designer than like what she was doing? But like, I if you don't feel like you know, yeah, fully, like no, I think it's it's just shows that I should probably do a little bit more research or just kind of get back into learning about the history of the profession that I'm in. Well, because you have so much free time to do that, <laughs> right? But you know, I can probably yeah. carve out a little bit of time to to like. To look back, but I don't even like in school remember learning about what she, she, you know, you cover so much. The, the reason I ask is I hear this come up over and over in your discussions with your guests about, you know, talking about what design is and what design isn't, especially from the perspective of uh, people like me, people who are, you know, even 
you know, people like yeah. my dad who don't yeah. really know what the what the uh, what the profession entails, and quite often through no fault of their own, usually because all they've been exposed to is like HGTV, mm-hmm. they think it's you know picking out finishes and decorating, and maybe that that's probably about it. Um, and I'm I'm just wondering like how that came to be like is that how it started and that it has evolved since then and you know i was wondering if it if it started that way because that's maybe you know what what she was allowed to do back then maybe i don't know I, yeah I, i'm just asking i i have no, no idea no it's a it's a good question and i think an interesting one to look back at like when like how much because like I know designers that don't decorate at all. And there are other designers that decorate and being a decorator and a designer and a decorator is not less than it is just different, different than yeah. and that is okay. And so it's just like knowing the difference and, and knowing like, I feel like it's things like, you know, interior design, we study color, color theory, space planning, you know, um, human behavior and how humans interact with space and interior space. Thanks for listening to this portion of our first bonus episode. The rest of the episode can be found on our Patreon page, where you can really make a difference in helping us to keep the podcast going. There are extra perks available like early access and special thanks in our outros for higher tiers of support. Thank you again and see you next time.